0: The Undrafted free Agent.com Mid-Major Podcast with your host, Chris McKee. There's Samuel with the steal. Get your phones out. Tyree Samuel posterizes Alex Nawaga. Come on now. Lugens! Jordan. Oh my! Brzdekis with another steal, spots up for three this time, and drains it. Ignis Brazdekis. Electric first step. Blows by everyone. Kobe Elvis. He's got them all shook up, Keyshawn for three, and there it is, Keyshawn Bartholomew, you don't want to let him heat up, all day, Kyler Filowich, they can't stop him, Moncrief, sneaks in the back door, hammers it down, Matthew Alexander Moncrief, ooh, welcome to the undrafted freeagent.com mid-major podcast, I'm your host Chris McKee, with the final four edition of the podcast, we're getting down to it here couple great elite 8 games we saw during the week but want to start with the preview of the number 1 Gonzaga Bulldogs versus the number 11 UCLA Bruins this is going to be the late game Saturday night uh 8:30 tip off this is a mid major podcast so got to start with the mid major team so Gonzaga is going to enter the game 26 and 0 they are the West Coast Conference champions UCLA 21 and 9 out of the Pac 12 so Gonzaga got here by hammering USC on Tuesday, 85-66 behind an incredible performance by Jalen Suggs with 18 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 assists, so just 2 assists away from a triple-double. Drew Timmy was dominant with 23 points. Corey Kispert with 18, and uh, just a fantastic game. This game was over literally 2 minutes into the game. It was about, what, 17-5 or something like that. Um, I was at work doing my traffic reporting job. As mentioned, you know, one of the other pods, I work for a couple radio stations here in Toronto reporting on traffic as well as doing play-by-play for CBC TV and TSN radio. But uh, yeah, I was at work, so I had the game on with the sound down. So just kind of watching what was going on and just literally looked over. Two or three minutes in the game went, this is over. Now, keep in mind, I did hammer USC on the money line. I thought, you know, <laughs> eh. let me know how that worked out. I'll tell you how it worked out. It was, a, it was a tough evening in the McKee household. But, um, yeah, I mean, unbelievable. I just can't believe how quick the Zags are. Now, one of the things that Mark Few did, normally he's got a pretty good rotation, uses a lot of his bench. He got away from that. He had the five starters, so Andrew Nemhart. Uh, Obviously, Timmy, Kispert, uh, Suggs, and Joel ayayi all of them played 30-plus minutes in the game. Aaron Cook had a couple minutes off the bench, as well as Watson, I think, played about 10 minutes, but really just stuck with his five starters, essentially, for the entire game, until about, I probably about 45 seconds left in the game when he put all the kids on, emptied the bench, and, and gave everyone a run. But, I mean, this season has been unbelievable for Gonzaga. Anyone who's listened to this podcast know that Literally a week into the season, I said, Gonzaga's going to go undefeated and win the national championship. Now, I was a little weary as we headed down the stretch, just the competition they played in the West Coast Conference. You know, we've all heard the expression, iron sharpens iron. And Gonzaga playing Pepperdine, Portland, and Loyola Marymount isn't exactly iron sharpening iron. And that concerned me a great deal because they were starting to look a little lethargic. A little uninspired getting into the later part of the west coast conference schedule now if you go back to the first two weeks of the season when they were running over kansas and the opener auburn iowa virginia just destroying all these teams and then you thought that's when i thought oh, oh my gosh this is one of the best teams i've ever seen in my life and i still do believe that i mean you know, for those of you just kind of getting on the gonzaga train this season anyway i mean that was an full display against USC as they just completely destroyed them and ran over them. Keep in mind USC has two NBA players. The Mobley brothers will both play in the NBA. Evan will be a lottery pick and Isaiah will eventually find his way there. But that's the that's the kind of teams Gonzaga is just absolutely destroying I mean, they. I mean, you got to think UCLA's magical run is going to end here with Gonzaga. But um, here's some post-game comments from Gonzaga head coach Mark Few after the win over USC.
1: Oh man, just uh, just an awesome, awesome feeling to uh, be able to fight our way back to another uh, Final Four. Guys came out, and just played with just tremendous energy and, and toughness, and and uh, you know, on both ends of the floor. You know, I really thought we got after him uh, defensively. And, and I haven't seen the stats yet, but fought, hopefully, to an even battle on the boards against all that great size. Uh, but then we played great pace on the offensive end. The first half, we got all the way through it with uh, just one turnover, which I thought was huge. And when we're doing that, that means we're, we're, we're really, really good on that end too. So uh, couldn't be happier. Happier for the players, obviously, the staff. Uh, gosh, the Gonzaga community. Uh, Spokane, everything to just get all the way back here to another Final Four. It's pretty cool.
0: Now, one of the strange things about this game for those watching is, you know, a couple minutes into the game, one of the referees just collapsed, just fell over backwards on his own, and it was it was pretty scary for a few minutes. And um, yeah, I, I was super concerned. You, I, there was a moment there where I thought, well, maybe this game gets abandoned because, you know, I mentioned I do play by play. So a couple years ago, I was doing Durham College. Centennial College these are two Toronto area colleges doing the play-by-play and something similar happened the ref just collapsed behind the play and thankfully the Durham College physio staff acted lightning quick they performed CPR and they literally saved the man's life he had a heart attack found out later on and was in danger of dying on the court and the physio staff from Durham College saved his life and I saw you know about a year or so later, they ended up you know, honoring the physio guy and gave him like the key to the city and an award and whatever and arranged a meeting with him and the ref and his family and he thanked them you know for saving his life. It was a really beautiful moment, but being a part of it, it was really scary. And I, you can imagine as well how scary that was for the Gonzaga players and the USC players. You know, it's one of those things you just don't even think of because you're so focused on the game. And all of a sudden, oh, someone may have died on the court. Uh, pretty frightening, but um, thankfully apparently all is well with the referee. You know, he was up and kind of talking and, uh, you know, got up on his own accord, but pretty scary. And here's Mark Few's comments on the whole situation after the game.
1: I've heard he's doing okay. I mean, I I, I could use an update. Uh, he's a great official, great person. And uh, I mean, I was just shocked and scared uh, for him. And, and then, uh, uh, but I was able to Stick my head in there a little bit and, and see that he was talking incoherent and, and tried to say a quick prayer for him and just uh, wished him the best. And then, uh, you know, just told the guys we needed to keep doing what we were doing prior to that. And I think they did a good job, not only the, after that pause, but, you know, at halftime to, to keep it on him uh, and, and to just stay to keep that intensity. I thought that was the key to the whole game for us.
0: We also have some comments from the best player in college basketball, Jalen Suggs. And this is a guy that I watch play two games the first week of the season and declared him the best player in college basketball. Uh, He's the best guard I've seen in over a decade. He's an exceptional athlete, uh, explosive. Um, He can take over a game at will if he wants to. But, you know, he actually kind of is more focused on getting his teammates involved. You can go back to a couple podcasts earlier. I had my buddy Wes Brown on. Wes is an NBA scout. He's been involved with a number of teams, also is pretty active scouting all the Canadian players and uh, is responsible for landing scholarships for dozens upon dozens of Canadian players across the United States. But I had Wes on a couple pods and he gave me a great scouting breakdown of Jalen Suggs from an NBA scouts perspective. Go back and listen to that. But that's one of the things Wes talked about. Is it's not about how good Jalen could be. It's how good he makes everyone around him. And you're starting to see that now. I mean, this guy is out of this world good. He reminds me, his game is very similar to what Jason Kidd was. He's able to pass the ball 20, 30 yards up the court. I think he's a more explosive offensive player than Jason Kidd was. But as far as passing and getting everyone involved, that's the level of talent this guy is. I mean, for my money, I I don't understand this whole Cade Cunningham obsession. He's a very good college basketball player. I just don't think he's great. And I believe Jalen Suggs is the best player in college basketball. Should be the number one pick. But, you know, depending on who has it. Whoever, if anyone picks Cade Cunningham over Jalen Suggs, you will regret that day for the next decade on the court. Because to me, it's just not even close. Suggs, a thousand times better the athlete, better player than Cade Cunningham ever was or will be. But anyways, so here's some comments from Suggs after the win over usc
1: it's been challenging um you know but this group of guys here have made it uh made it a lot easier um, you know and us being away from family you know for a majority of the year and not really getting uh, to see them or have fans at our games you know until the last couple uh games of the regular season so uh it's been really challenging but i mean through it all i think we we've done a great job in staying together and our team chemistry you know and, and our brotherhood uh, has really helped you know help pass the time and you know Uh, Make it all a lot easier. And just getting to this point is extremely special. Uh, You know, we're going to celebrate it. But uh, we got two more, uh, you know, that we need to get done. And we're taking them one game at a time.
0: So Gonzaga will face UCLA Saturday night, who got here by beating Michigan 51-49 in the Elite Eight. This is another game I hammered Michigan on this one and lost. (laughs) Uh, For anyone who's listened to the, you know, the betting picks and that, which I will give, of course, in today's pod. But um, I went one for three in the Elite Eight, but I was six for eight. Uh, in the Sweet 16. So, uh, you know, hopefully I'm going to get right back on track here for the Final Four and give some pretty good predictions. I feel confidence in these ones that I will give. But UCLA 51-49 over Michigan. It was an ugly game. It was one of Michigan's worst performances of the season. Uh, Johnny Juzang with 28 points for UCLA. Tiger Campbell with 11 points for the Bruins as well. Again, it was just kind of a scrappy, ugly kind of game. And, you know, Mick Cronin, he talked about that in some of the post-game comments, which I'll get to shortly, but um, I I just think Mick has done an absolutely outstanding job with UCLA. You know, they had a couple guys go down injured early in the season, and he's managed to keep the ship on track and, and everything on course and, you know, getting better as the season progressed. And here they are in the damn Final Four. Now, I would imagine even the biggest of UCLA fan wouldn't have predicted this kind of success this season. But, you know, that's the thing with UCLA. I mean, it's one of the greatest programs in the history of the sport. And they always kind of just every six, seven, eight years find themselves in this position because they are UCLA. Anyways, here's some post-game comments by Mick Cronin after the win over Michigan this week.
2: First of all, I'd like to congratulate Coach Howard in Michigan on an unbelievable season. Uh, obviously, they got great kids, great coaching staff, tremendous program. All the best to them, and again, congrats on their season. As far as us guys, uh, you know, it was a Big Ten battle royal game. Nobody could find an offensive rhythm. That's that was just a credit to the defenses. Um, you know, it's just an unbelievably physical game. You know, it's hard, hard to get uh, bodies off of bodies. Obviously for us, you know, we rode Johnny as hard as we, as hard as we could with his scoring. Jules Bernard, uh, not 100% tonight. Uh, you saw him limp, if anybody noticed him limping in the last game towards the end of the game. Uh, Tiger Campbell gave us some offense. I thought their size bothered Jaime a little bit, uh, you know, but he's had an unreal tournament. Didn't get I, – I didn't get uh, some of our Dave and Jake enough time probably. But we were – you know, I thought the, the game was such a half-court game. Our guys weren't tired. It was just a physical game. So we were just – you know, I was trying to go with our best defensive lineup. Um, but all the credit goes to the players. They've been unbelievable. You know, to hold Michigan to 49, that's two teams we've held under 50 in this tournament. We held Alabama to 65 in regulation and BYU to 60. So uh, – just an awesome, awesome effort by our kids, and all credit goes to them.
0: Cronin also talked about how key his defense has been this season. You know, he's, he's so confident in his offense. He's like, look, my guys can score, but the, the kind of defense they're playing right now, pretty special, here's what he had to say.
2: You know, what you try to preach when you're building a program, and, uh, and I, you guys have heard me say this, you know, first of all, uh, you know, April 9th, 2019, I told you I spell fun W-I-N. And our scoring's been elite. You know, we're 11 or 12 offense, but uh, tonight it was our defense. You got to find a way to win. It's, you know, these guys are having the most fun they've ever had in their life back in that locker room because they won. Um, I told them I was going to teach them how to win. And, to, you know, you got to be able to win different ways, Trace, you know, when things aren't going well on offense because the other team, not because of us, it was Michigan. Uh, they're a one seed for a reason, the Big Ten, Get what 10 teams in a tournament and uh, they dominated the conference for the most part um, you know so to find a way to beat them with defense uh, the way we did tonight uh, obviously extremely proud of our team but yeah I, you know it was just resilience you know you know stats are for losers they say right you know you either win or you lose so I think that stat sheet can get crumbled up tonight.
0: I've also got some comments from a very emotional Johnny Juzang after the win. I know he was asked just, you know, what this means, how special it is. Here's what he had to say.
1: Unreal, man. Unreal. I love every single one of these guys. It's just incredible, man. Um, Surreal. Surreal. Something, you know, growing up you just dream about. Um, and to do it with such an amazing group of guys, such an incredible staff, such incredible coaches, makes it just so wonderful. It's, uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful sharing this moment with, you know, your brothers and just great, great people. So incredible.
0: So let's take a look at some of the analytics of this, you know, with Gonzaga versus UCLA and deciding how we're going to lay the money on the bets. But Gonzaga, the number one offense in the country, nobody scores more points to them. They average 91.6 points per game, which is, I mean, unbelievable. It's a college basketball team, not an NBA team. Well, kind of. I mean, they got (laughs) anywhere between three to five NBA players on the team. But UCLA, number 126, they average just 72.9 points per game. Defensively, Gonzaga number 96 in the country, UCLA 120. Gonzaga field goals, number one in the country, UCLA number 78. Gonzaga also, I mean, it is beautiful basketball to watch, number two in assists in the country. They really move the ball around well, UCLA 150. The line is Gonzaga minus 14 and I am going to hammer the Zags. I you know kind of they made me a whole bunch of money all throughout the season. I I was riding the train very early and then I started to lose a little faith going down the stretch, but I'm back on the bandwagon 100%. Gonzaga is going to absolutely destroy UCLA. They won't be able to hang. You, you wonder, okay, how many NBA guys does UCLA have? Okay, maybe Zhang, he's playing his way into a possible opportunity to play in the league. I still think he needs plenty more time in college, but you watch, he will make the mistake of declaring and going, and I'd be shocked if he was drafted anywhere near the first round. Kid's a nice player. He's got a lot of work to do, though. But I just can't see anyone other than Juzang being capable of remotely hanging with Gonzaga. I think they run over UCLA comfortably, so go Gonzaga, minus 14. And actually, the first game that's going to take place on Saturday is going to be Baylor, who's the number one seed, versus number two seed, Houston. That's going to tip off around 515 or so, but this is a mid-major podcast, so I'm going to start with the mid-major teams. But Baylor will enter this game 25-2. They're the Big 12 champs. Houston, 28-3, the American Athletic Conference champion. Baylor got here by beating Arkansas 81-72, led by 22 points from Macy Oteague. Jared Butler with 14 points, and Davion Mitchell with 12. Davion also, I mean, just absolutely outstanding defensively. He's the best defensive guard I've seen. Now, you know, I've talked about this. I did the play-by-play for Lugens Dort High School up at Athlete Institute, Orangeville Prep here in the Toronto area. And Lugens now with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Man played his college ball for Arizona State, and he's widely regarded as one of the better defensive guards in the NBA right now. I think Davion Mitchell is twice twice as good as Lou Gens-Dort. And I lo—I know Lou. Lou's my guy. You know, I've... <laughs> I said I did his play-by-play. You know, I've interviewed Lou a number of times. I was the one that was a part of his college announcement and doing a video when he announced he was committing to Arizona State. It was my video that was posted of him commi- explaining why he went to Arizona State that went viral. You can go find it on YouTube. I put it on my Twitter and stuff as well. But I know Lou. I respect Lou. I love him, man. Great kid. Davion Mitchell is twice the player Lou Gens-Dort is. And Lou Gens is an NBA player. And a pretty good one. So, um, yeah, I mean, it just really impressed the performance. Uh, I watched the entire game. Pretty good game back and forth. Arkansas had moments to get in this. But I just think, you know, the guard play of Baylor, just too good. They've got too many guys. There's no let up. So when one guy takes five minutes to go gets a breather, the other guy's just as good or better. So it's this constant attack. The pressure really suffocates other teams. And you saw that there. So, One of the things I wanted to mention as well, I talked about this in last week or the week before his podcast about, you know, how special this is that Baylor is actually in this position. Because if you go back to 2003, we talked about, you know, the murder uh, that happened at Baylor and Carlton Dodson, the Baylor player who shot and murdered his teammate, Patrick Dennehy. Um, And it's a horribly tragic situation. And so one of the things I did this week, I went and watched, there's a documentary called Disgraced. And it's all about, you know, what happened and the scandal at Baylor and about Dodson murdering his teammate, Dennehy, and as well as about the head coach, Dave Bliss. And it's, I, you know, I don't want to give away the whole plot of it, but if you're a basketball fan or even it's, you know, crime and mystery, whatever, it's a great documentary. You can find it. I think it's a Showtime documentary, but you can find it online for free. I did. But, you know, this is one of the things I didn't, wasn't even really aware of until now about Dave Bliss, the Baylor head coach. And you know I try not to swear on this podcast, but what a human pile of excrement this man was! (laughs) I don't want to get too into it. You got to go watch the documentary. But what a what a disgraceful culture they set for themselves at Baylor, and this is all you know behind the head coach. But yeah, go check out the documentary "Disgrace" if you can. And I will tell you that for the first time in my life, I wrote a letter to a convicted murderer this week. I wrote a letter to Carlton Dotson. Who is serving time? Is who is serving a thirty-five year prison sentence in a penitentiary in Texas? And I actually wrote him a letter. Um, I called the prison to see if inmates are capable of being interviewed. They said no, unless you're a lawyer or family member. No phone conversations. But they said, well, you can write him if you want. So I actually did write a letter to Carlton Dodson. I want to get his thoughts on. You know what's happening with Baylor right now, Um, the shadow he cast over the program. I I don't anticipate he will respond to me. I'm kind of only hoping that, well, obviously he's got a little bit of time on his hands and maybe will, but I didn't get into anything to do with the case because he obviously won't respond to me with that. I just asked him about Baylor basketball, his thoughts on Baylor basketball. Has he been able to watch any games? Has he watched the tournament? Anything. His thoughts on Baylor's success and you know, maybe his actions and, you know, leading to this cloud over Baylor. So we'll see if I get a response from a convicted murderer, but just a whole weird experience. I, you know, I've talked about this. I worked in the music business for 20 years. I was an agent for some of the biggest rappers um, in the business, you know, Grammy winning artists, Grammy nominated, whatever. And so there's a couple guys I know. I I was Royce to Five Nines agent who was Grammy nominated this year. I was Royce's agent for well, probably 12 to 14 years, somewhere in that range. And Royce was incarcerated. Uh, for a DUI. He got I think a five year sentence but served about two or whatever. But I used to write Royce letters in jail um just to try and keep his spirits up while he was in there. We corresponded a few times and so I kind of learned the process of how you go about getting hold of these people and and where and how to write and what you can include in envelopes and stuff like that. So I tried it again. So I'll I'll keep you updated. I would imagine it's gonna take some time for just the letter to let her even get there. But um we'll see what he has to say. But here's head coach Scott Drew with his comments following the win over Arkansas.
3: Well, first and foremost, I want to congratulate Arkansas on a tremendous year. And Coach Musselman's a a great coach and has done a great job with that team. Uh, Second, uh, uh, our players uh, for um, accomplishing something that hadn't been accomplished since 1950 and uh, getting us back to a Final Four. And then for all the Baylor fans that have stayed with us uh, in the in the lean years, uh, uh, Mac and Linda and their their staffs that support us so generously. And then uh, um, uh, our staff, I'm blessed with the, the best coaching staff in the country. So uh, very happy for everyone to, to have this opportunity to celebrate. Been to two Elite Eights before and seen uh, Duke celebrate and then win a national championship. Kentucky celebrate win a national championship. And it's nice that uh, uh, these guys were able to celebrate, especially after last year uh, when we were on the verge of having the first number one seed in school's history and not having a chance uh, to compete in the NCAA tournament. and As uh, Obim, who was on our team last year and is a GA now, said, uh, Freddie and uh, Devontae, a piece of that net's coming to you.
0: And some more comments from Scott Drew on just how special this Final Four run has been for Baylor University.
3: Well, I was worried I was going to be able to stay up this late. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, just uh, uh, pure joy, excitement. Obviously uh, uh, tired because it's late and uh, it was an emotional game. But again, uh, seeing our guys having a chance to cut down a net and celebrate, doesn't get much better than that come March.
0: Along with comments from the head coach, we have some audio here from Maceo Teague, who had 22 points in the win over Arkansas. And he says his head coach, Scott Drew, just not getting enough credit for the job he's done.
1: That means a tremendous a lot uh, to me, but uh, even more to the program. Uh, no, no person is bigger than the program. What we did is history here. Uh, really happy for Coach Drew. He's been here from 18 years. And uh, I saw on Twitter probably about a month ago that uh, we need, like I saw somebody tweet something along the lines of we need to start speaking on the, That Scott Drew has like the biggest comeback story and has built, has like come back from nothing basically in a basketball program. And uh, people need to start talking about that. And uh, so I'm really happy for Coach Drew. He spent a lot of time, dedication, hard work, blood, sweat, and tears into this program. And I'm really happy for those guys, him and Coach Tang, and the guys on the coaching staff.
0: So Saturday evening, Baylor will face Houston, who got here by a pretty tight win over Oregon State 67 61. Behind 10 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists from Dejan Giroux. So just a couple rebounds and assists short of a double-double. Really nice performance. Also had 20 points from Marcus Sasser, 18 points from Quentin Grimes. Um, Oregon State had opportunities to win this game. Houston defense, I think they just they're very steady. Um, it's a very balanced attack. You know, it's not really just the one guy that comes at you. They got five or six guys that can beat you in a couple different ways. They can score. They also play suffocating defense. It's uh, it's a pretty impressive team. This team, 100% capable of beating Baylor, 100% capable of giving Gonzaga a really good game and possibly beating them um, if the Zags can have an off night. So Houston, a legitimate shot to win a national championship here. And here's some comments from head coach Calvin Sampson after the win over Oregon State.
4: Well, first of all, I'd like to uh, congratulate uh, Wayne Tinkle, and the uh, Oregon State Beavers for a uh, tremendous year. What they did the last um, few weeks, beating Colorado, Oregon, UCLA, Tennessee, Oklahoma State, Loyola Marymount, I'm sorry, Loyola Chicago, uh, my fault. Um, those are good teams. Those teams beat good teams. That, that, that proves how good they are. Hats off to Wayne, a great guy. My, I, uh, Kellen and Lauren, my two kids, were born in Montana. I coached in Montana, and, and Wayne uh, was a great player at the University of Montana. When I talked to Wayne before the game, I said, you know who would love to watch this game tonight is Judd Heathcote. Uh, Judd gave me my start at Michigan State, and, and we're, Wayne and I are both uh, part of uh, uh, Judd's coaching tree. So I was thinking about Judd tonight. Um, but proud of my team. We were really locked in defensively. Uh, on what we wanted to do. Um, Oregon State, we knew was going to come back and make a run. We got a little bit non-aggressive against the 1-3-1, one, one, but they, they made it like that. You know, not many teams can put a seven-footer at the top of the key and take away your interior pass. They forced us to go um, slot to slot, corner to corner. And, and our guys got a little bit um, um, stale against that thing. But I, I wasn't as disappointed in that as I was uh, concerned about our defense at the other end. You know, we kept, uh, they kept gashing us. And we'd been so good for so long. But when I called the uh, uh, timeout, one thing you have to remind uh, young people, uh, young men in these situations, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to miss the shot. You certainly can't be afraid to take it. And so we, we put Quentin in that other uh, corner and uh, put him on the same side as Dajon, and we tried to get the ball. From Marcus to Dejan to Q, because we thought we could get the shot, but uh, they're good at running that 1-3-1. One, one. We we've seen 1-3-1s one, a lot uh, this year, but uh, not not ones that look like that. But it's not supposed to be easy, you know. And um, proud of these kids, proud of the heart, proud of uh, battling through so many things this year, uh, whether it was uh, injuries or transfers or um, tough uh, a tough loss here or there. But for this team to be twenty-eight and three, and going to the Final Four, this is uh, one of the greatest accomplishments I've been around, and I have this group of players and this staff, uh, everyone on this staff, all the players, uh, to thank for it. I'm glad they let me go along for, with, uh, go along on the ride with them. It's, it's been a fun ride with this group.
0: You know, one of the things I loved. That Samson mentioned in, in his post game comments there, and I love, you know, he, go, he goes on. He's like typical college coach where he'll just ramble for five minutes. I love listening to, to Samson talk. But one of the things he talked about was never being afraid to fail. Now, this is a motto that I've used in life, and something that I learned, you know, from working in the music industry, and that you have to try different things. And I think that that fear of failure gets in the way of a lot of people in life. You know, even just this podcast that I've started over the past three weeks. The downloads for this have gone through the roofs. Thousands upon thousands of downloads. People all over the world. People in Brazil, Finland, England, Scotland, Ireland, Germany. uh, I mean, Dominican Republic. All over the world. In just about every state in the United States and all across Canada. People are now listening to this podcast. Well, if you go back and listen to the first 20 episodes of this podcast, it sucks. It's terrible. I know that. I was fully aware of that while doing that. But I don't have that fear of failure. I understand that. In order to get good at something, you have to try it. It's got to get better. I'm not saying this podcast is <laughs> the Jim Rome Show or the Colin Cowherd Show, two guys that I love and respect and admire. I'm not saying this this podcast is that, but it's certainly better than it was during the first 10, 15, 20 episodes I have. And a lot of people don't, you know, you see this from friends and family. They kind of look at you like, are oh, you crazy? What are you doing? You're doing a stupid podcast. And it's like, no, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm working through the process. OK, you don't get to you don't get to the final four without taking shots in a gym, you know, in an empty gym with no one around or, or you know, what a schoolyard where no one's there. you got to put that work in. And I learned this in the music business. You know, I failed so many times, but also succeeded quite a bit. And you have to be OK with failure. And I love that message that Samson is delivering to his kids. And I, I urge this to all of you out there. If you have a passion, if there's something you want to do, don't be afraid to fail. 10, 15, 20 times at it, because that's what it takes to get good at something. So, I, you know, hey, I'm starting to believe in Houston more. They certainly have an opportunity to win the national championship, and uh, they're, they're definitely going to give them a game. Anyway, here's some comments from Dejan Giroux, who's been one of the best players for Houston all season long.
1: Just, you know, the relief of, you know, all the hard work we've put in to, you know, get to this point and, you know, just being counted out and doubted, um, you know, just to kind of prove the, ro- prove the world that we belong here. Um you know, they tried to say about the you know us playing double Cs, but you know them double Cs also um had to beat a single seed you know in order to get to this point, so you know i'm just I'm just very grateful.
0: So let's break down some of the analytics and numbers going into the the matchup, Baylor right now is a five point favorite. so Baylor offensively the number six team in the country, Houston number fifty five. However, defensively is where both these teams excel. Houston, the number two defense in the country, they only allow 57.6 points per game. Loyola Chicago is the number one defense. Baylor, not too shabby themselves, number 52 in the country, they allow 65.5 points per game. Baylor has the edge in field goals, they're number 18 in the country. Houston, 192. Rebounds, Houston has the edge, they're seventh in the country, while Baylor 140. But Baylor, number 15 in assists, which means they move the ball around very well. And Houston 104, so not great, but not too bad. But um, I'm just taking a look at the line here. I mean, I think Baylor wins this game. However, I think it's a two or three point game. So I'm going to take Houston and the plus five in this one. But I think Baylor gets through and we finally get that matchup of Gonzaga versus Baylor. We were robbed of this earlier in the season due to that game being canceled. They are clearly the two best teams in the country, have been all season, and I'm starting to think we're going to get the opportunity to see that dream matchup. So to recap, take Houston plus five, take Gonzaga minus 14. I think they're going to run over UCLA pretty comfortably. So this is mostly a mid-major podcast. That was a goal of this to kind of give a voice to, uh, you know, some of the smaller college teams and, and you know highlights some of the really good players I see out there. So over the course of the summer, I will dive more back into the mid-major content and line up a whole bunch of coaches and players and stuff like that. But a couple news, some transfer news this week that I wanted to mention. So two of my favorite mid-major players and anyone who has listened to this pod know that I love these guys. So Toledo's Marion Jackson has announced he's put his name in the transfer portal. He's a senior uh, he was the MAC player of the year. This guy is as good a guard as you will see in the country. Uh, I, I love his game so much. Average about 18 and change a game. Uh, eight rebounds, think like five assists, man. This dude can play. He can shoot to three. He makes everyone around him better. And now he's going to transfer. And so uh, I seen Jeff Goodman tweet out, you know, he's heard from a number of high major teams. West Virginia, LSU, a uh, whole bunch of teams. I think West Virginia would be the perfect fit. For Marion Jackson, because he's just one of those dudes who's like tough as nails, but can really can really shoot. So whoever gets him, uh, watch out, man. That dude can play, and one of my favorite guards in the country. So I'll keep you updated on that. And I think I'm gonna do a transfer special once the Final Four is over, and you know March Madness is over. Obviously, we got all summer to that, but I definitely will do some transfer specials and who are some of the major players that have you know moving on to different teams because there's a whole whack of them. Another guy that I love this season, and for people that have listened to the pod, David Jenkins Jr. from UNLV. He's announced he's transferring. So Jenkins started his career at South Dakota State under TJ Otzelberger, who then when TJ got the UNLV job, Jenkins transferred to be with him, and now TJ has just got the Iowa State job. So I'm wondering, I mean, does he transfer again to follow Otzelberger to Iowa State, I don't know. I've heard some things that they had a bit of a falling out this year. Either way, this guy, I think Jenkins was about 15, 16 points a game. He's a really nice player. I don't know what kind of success he'd have in a major conference. I think he'd just be a good guard. So I think the Mountain West is kind of where he fits best. But either way, he's looking for other opportunities. um, And I'll keep you updated on that. Also, just saw today some news from Oral Roberts. Their head coach, Paul Mills, has just signed a new contract. You know, he was being mentioned in some of these other job openings out there and possibly moving on from Oral Roberts. But if you listen to to Mills' talk, I mean, he's super religious. I just don't know if that, I mean, he's done an outstanding job at Oral Roberts. I just don't know if that kind of whole, you know, over-the-top religious vibe is going to work at a Big Ten team or an SEC team. And it, I think he just suits well with Oral Roberts. So thankfully, he's decided to stay and uh, we'll stick it out there for the next little bit. So thanks for listening as usual. Always appreciate I mean, like I said, the downloads going through the roof. Please drop me a line on Twitter at Mr. McKee. Uh, check out undraftedfreeagent.com. We post some, I've been focusing more on the podcast and as, as far as content on the website, because I know I got all summer to catch up on that, but. Please check out some of the stuff on the website. Let me know what's good. And I got to get this pod edited together and go sit in a pub because I'm in the Toronto area. It's just been announced that the entire province of Ontario is being forced into a 28-day lockdown, which I've had it. You know, We're over a year into this crap. It's fiction. I'm not buying it. Um, I want my life back. I want a better life for my son and my children. This is ridiculous. And so, uh, yeah, I don't want to bore you too much with politics. But... Bars and restaurants are going to be closed for a month, so uh, today's my day off. I'm going to edit this pod, and I'm going to go get drunk. So, hey, that's one of my last few opportunities to be able to do so with, with a buddy and you know, for at least a month. So, anyways, enjoy the podcast. Reach out to me. Enjoy the hoops. I'll be back, and we'll do another uh, Final Four wrap-up after all this is done. The UndraftedFreeAgent.com Mid-Major Podcast with your host, Chris McKee. There's Samuel with the steal. Get your phones out. Tyrese Samuel posterizes Alex Nawaga. Come on, now. Lugens! Dort. Oh, my. Brzezikas with another steal. Spots up for three this time and drains it. Ignis Brzezikas. Electric first step. Blows by everyone. Kobe Elvis. He's got them all shook up. Keyshawn for three. And there it is, Keyshawn Bartholomew. You don't want to let him heat up all day. Kyler Filovich. they can't stop him. Moncrie Sneaks in the back door, hammers it down. Matthew Alexander
1: Moncrief. Ooh.